0: You're listening to Cofield and Company
1: on ESPN Las Vegas. It's so our weekly visit with Michael Felder, college football insider, national college football insider from stadium and Learfield's college sports now. And it's Dion all the time in Colorado, all the time and great storylines coming out of last week's game against Colorado state. So give me your impressions. Cause I think there's a lot of stuff to talk about coming out of that game.
2: Well, I mean, huge win for them. It's fantastic to get that win. Uh, the other part um, is, Obviously, we saw the Travis Hunter injury, and we'll see how that picks up because that's a guy that they probably are going to need, especially on the defensive side. We can talk about everything he's done offensively, but defensively, also this is a guy that they absolutely need because that defense is still bad. They are three and zero with a very bad defense, uh, and they're getting ready to they're getting ready to have Oregon uh, on that schedule, and that's going to be a really big game. So I'm looking forward to seeing what this looks like. Obviously, Dion came out and was you know he's he's you know he's doing what Deion does. He's talking that talk. So. This will be an interesting one because it's one of the biggest storylines, and now you've got two teams that are, what are they, in the top 15 at this point uh, getting ready to play each other. So this should be an interesting uh, ball game.
1: Tell me what happened with Alabama in the quarterback position last week. So uh, Milroe doesn't play. Uh, yeah. One of the guys on our show, John Von Tobel, was mm-hmm. saying uh, that he thinks he was like secretly suspended. Like It made no sense that he didn't
2: play at all in a game that they struggled and the other quarterback play was not good. Yeah, I saw that from JVT. I like him. That's, tell him I said what's up. I like I like JVT. We used to do some stuff together at Stadium. Um, Here's what I'm going to say. Yes, there's secret suspension. That's a possibility. But I have two other ideas. One is Nick Saban knowing he can win that game with never throwing the football. So he wants to make sure that everybody else, the media, that the fans, everyone that's calling for Ty Simpson and everyone that's calling for Tyler Buckner, he's like, let me show you what these guys can do. And that's what we got. <laughs> And then two, and I don't know if it's a suspension or not. could be a suspension. could not be a suspension. But he benches Jalen Milrow, and Milrow is – and and he's talking to Milrow, and he's saying, this is what we have if you don't go out there and perform. This is what we have. This is what we have. So you you need to perform. But I think that obviously the suspension could be a part of it. It could be a part of both of those things. But it also doesn't have to be the suspension. I think it's Nick Saban sending a message. Like, they didn't have to run the – I mean, they didn't have to throw the football to win that game. But they forced through the football to make sure that people got that that both Milrow and media and fans got the message that everything that you're asking for that ain't it. Milrow has to be the guy. He is our best option. There was not a play in that game that looked like any of the plays that Milrow has made in the short time that we've seen him. And I think that's the part where Saban is like, "So we do need you. So if it's a suspension, it's like we do need you. So please get your act together." But it's also, "Hey, stop asking." Please stop asking where the other guys are, because this is what the other guys look like. All right, what's going to happen with Bama and Ole Miss? Jackson Dart is electric, and obviously Judson is such a good running back, and they've got pieces. But Alabama's defense, I will say this. We talk so much about the quarterback. Their defense is chugging along. That defense, they tackle. I was talking to my buddy, uh, a Texas fan, and he said, man, them boys tackle. And when they tackle, it looked like it hurts. And Alabama's (laughs) deepest uh, between Lawson and Kool-Aid and all those guys, they, they will hit you. And so they make it hard and they make you not want to play that much. And so the interesting thing for me with this game is how much of this looks like the Texas game in the fourth quarter versus how much of this looks like every other quarter that Alabama's played all season. And so that's going to be the part that's interesting to me, but uh, at the same time, if you're Ole Miss, I say, listen, I'm. I throw the spaghetti at the wall, man. Let's see what sticks and just get after it. Because if you force Alabama to have to score 35 points, you're mm-hmm. going to win the game. And that's what Ole Miss did when they beat Alabama in the past. And we're talking about way better Alabama teams that Ole Miss is beaten or that Ole Miss is pushed to the brink. So I think if you're Lane, Lane's going to pull out all the stops. If you're Nick Saban, I think you simplify it on defense and – Make sure that guys don't make mistakes, mistakes in terms of exchanges, mistakes in terms of motions and alignment, mistakes in terms of gap integrity. You've got to make sure that your, your defense is, is crystal clear on what they're supposed to do, because realistically, Nick, or excuse me, Lane Kiffin has already put so many things on film. And that's the thing I love about Lane Lincoln. He has put so much on film, even with that huge staff they have. He is going to break your brain. With trying to come up with a check for everything and what to expect for everything, because he's also been working on building off whatever you're going to check on.
1: Michael Felder. It's Felder at substack.com. Great newsletters throughout the week. Uh, power football, I think, maybe
2: some defense. Utah and UCLA. We'll see if we get a chance to see Cam Rising. And if we do see him, we'll see how healthy he is. If we don't see him, we'll see kind of that two headed monster that they've been trotting out there. Uh, this is going to be interesting. This is going to be fun. UCLA is still figuring out who they are. And obviously, young quarterback there. I want to see him continue to get more reps, but they still are not fully sold. So that's going to be the part that I'm watching uh, in, this, in this game. Though. But Utah, I mean, they're going to put the hands on you, and I, I love that. They're, they are a team that is handsy, and they fight, and they, they, they're they going to get after it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to watching this one as a game where it's it, – it, my guy George Whitfield says styles make fights. And Utah's style is very different than UCLA's, and so we'll see whose style prevails or who can play the other team's style well enough to win.
1: The Pack 2 title Ooh. game, Washington State and Oregon State.
2: Oregon State all the way. I know Washington State has looked pretty good at times this year, but Oregon State, for me, they're a team that nobody's – we don't talk about nearly enough. That DJ Uyunglele, I, I the first game after Duke Duke beat Clemson, he's standing over there like – like she, he looked like Shaq when Shaq was saying, tell me how my taste against to Kobe." Like, it's literally like – DJ's like, you thought I was the bad one? You think I'm bad? No, 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 no. It's not me. We got some issues structurally at that program. So I think Oregon State, they're incredibly explosive. They also, and this is something for folks that do pay attention to stats, that do like to kind of dig a little bit deeper, they get a lot of stuff done defensively without being very good defensively. And by Without being very good defensively, I mean, Hmm. they don't get a ton of sacks. They don't get a ton of tackles for loss. They're not destroying you with turnovers. So they play defense the hard way where you have to get three and outs to win. And that's what they do. These guys get lined up in the right position. They know exactly where they're supposed to be for their gap fits. This is not like luck. This is being good. This is what being good at defense looks like. Uh, like Georgia does the same thing. Alabama does the same thing. They are playing that type of defense where this is not we're bringing a blitz and hopefully something goes bad. This is We line up, we play, and we tackle, and that's how we get off the field. We are not doing something special. All we're doing, Iowa, same way. Wisconsin, when they're good at defense, same way. We line up, we do our job, and we don't ask for help and we get it done. And if we get a turnover, fantastic. If we get a sack, amazing. But we are built to get you to go two yards, two yards, two yards punt. And I love that about them.
1: <laughs> Michael Felder with us. All right, last two Big Ten games. Uh, you do your play count each week and you're yeah. tracking the the fat, you know, the clock and, and all that, and plays being reduced in games. Rutgers and Michigan, are they going to combine for
2: like 70 plays? Yeah, this – I mean, after last week when Michigan ran 44 plays, I was like, oh, my goodness, what's going to happen? Like, that was in – that. like, that felt crazy. I had to go back and double-check multiple times to see if I was, like, losing my mind. Like, I was like, right. this can't be right. <laughs> 44 plays they ran? How? How? How does that make any sense? Uh, but Rutgers, I mean, this is a 3-0 Rutgers team, man, and honestly – if you're going to play any of the three from the Big Ten, I think Rutgers is probably the most comfortable playing Michigan. And we got Ohio State coming into their own. Penn State is very interesting. But I think Michigan is a team, at least if you're Rutgers, you know who they are, right? Like, you know they're going to give Blake Corman the ball 25 times a game. They're going to ask J.J. McCarthy to throw the ball 18 times, and they're going to ask him to throw it, you know, 12 yards and down most of the time. They're never going to try to stretch you down the field. So you know what you have to do. So it's going to be – I do think that this game – here's what I'll say, and this is the thing I used to say about Alabama before they kind of changed their strategy. I think this is a game that can be competitive for probably 35 minutes. 35 minutes until Michigan's bodies start to wear on Rutgers and the depth starts to show and all that. But for 35 minutes, I think this can be competitive, and that's the part that's going to be really interesting for me.
1: Same deal on the plays. How does Penn State, lane 14 and a half, kind of blow out Iowa? Is Iowa that bad offensively that they can? I mean, you know, getting no 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 plays in a game and it's like twenty four three.
2: Yeah, that's yeah, that's the <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, to answer the question, yeah, like it's it's crazy. Penn State, because here's the thing, think about what we've seen the last couple, like what we've seen out of Penn State recently, right? So we look at Penn State and that Illinois game was not like an instant blowout. It was a slow build and then Kaytron Allen starts to wear on you and you get a little tired. I'm gonna tell you what. Iowa's going to be a little tougher than Illinois. I don't know how much tougher cuz Illinois I think does play. They're trying to start playing good defense and B-Lim is working on that. Iowa's further along in that process obviously because of the continuity, the staff continuity. Um, but Penn State their defense is going to play really good. play really well, excuse me. And that's going to slow Iowa down. That means they're going to get more chances with the football for Drew Aller. And aller has got an opportunity. I just wonder how many opportunities down the field he's going to get. Because with Iowa, if you miss one of those opportunities, I, I mentioned that with Oregon State, right? Two yards, two yards, two yards, punt. But Iowa's the same type of defense. And it's not even two yards, two yards, punt. It's two yards, two yards, incomplete pass, then punt. And that's where Iowa really kind of reigns supreme on the landscape of guys that – like, they don't have – it. there's nobody at Iowa that's probably going to they'll be a first-round draft pick. And I know they had Jack Campbell a year ago. Nobody thought Jack Campbell was going to go in the first round anyway. So it's going to be interesting to see what the how, how they shake this out.
1: I don't think Ohio State's as good as the last couple of years, like nowhere close sure. because of the quarterback. Yes. But has, has Notre Dame closed the gap enough with their style to pull the upset?
2: Here's the thing. I think their style is different than before. And that's a Sam Hartman directive where we're looking at Sam Hartman. And I was so, I was so worried because you saw that knee buckle and you saw that guy hit him on the knee. And I was like, oh, no, this could be really bad. But he got up and he finished, so we're good. I am looking forward to watching Sam Hartman push the ball vertically down the field. They have thrown the ball down the field 20-plus yards more this year already than they did a season ago for the whole season. This is a team that's willing to push the ball down the field. I think that's a difference maker, especially against an Ohio State team with that Jim Knowles defense that is going to play a lot of cover one and a lot of cover zero. You're going to have guys on an island. Now, it's about those those Notre Dame wide receivers making contested catches. But I will say this, and I think Ohio State gets the win. I might as well go ahead and put that out there. I think Ohio State gets the win. But when you look at these Ohio State defensive backs, these guys are in attack mode. Uh, Leighton Ransom, some of these other guys, they are in attack mode, and that's what I love to see. They seem like they're starting to buy into this defense. You got Eichenberg and Steel Chambers right there in the middle. They don't have someone as good as any of the Bosa's or Chase Young. Coming from the edge, but they do play great team defense in that front four. Uh, even when they go to a three-man front, they play really good defense. So I think they're gonna be gap sound in that front seven and then that back seven, they're gonna make sure that that they that, that Sam Hart, they're gonna try to take care of business against Sam Hartman. Hartman's gonna get it. They're, Notre Dame's gonna have one, two long pass plays, but the key is gonna be they got to score on those pass plays. You can't have it get to the six, you can't have it get to the twelve, you can't have it get to the twenty to twenty-one and then try to score in that red zone because that field shrinks, and that's where Ohio State has been pretty good. Dynamite. Thank you, Michael Felder. Appreciate it. No problem, man. Take it easy.
0: Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. All
1: right, good stuff there from the one, the only Michael Felder. John Montolivo gets a shout out. You like that, John? Yeah, I was kind of
3: surprised. Uh, I didn't think Felder uh, remembered me. So everyone weird.
1: knows you. If they do something with you, they know you. If they see you, they want to hug you. We saw that weird encounter with uh, who? Brett McMurphy.
3: Yeah, Brett McMurphy. That was kind of. <laughs> that,
1: <laughs> we were a lot that, closer than you. I remembered.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, all right, we got some uh, distressing news today. Is this official with Tiggs and the Cowboys? Uh, yes. With the uh, the ACL? Yep,
3: officially official. Uh, he is done. It looks like it's an ACL injury here, and they'll have to move forward in the season uh, ah. without their top corner. So that sucks for a team that uh, I will repeat for anybody out there on social media that's got something for me. Uh, they are the best team in the, uh, in the NFC, and even without Trayvon Diggs, they could still be the best team. So that does suck, though, for a team that was loaded with defensive talent. You're just down a guy who is a really, really good player at his position.
1: You think they still have a shot to make the Super Bowl?
3: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, one corner is not going to change anything for you, even a very good corner at that. In today's NFL, uh, where we're talking about offenses having the biggest edge, uh, you're still going to be okay in the grand scheme of things.
1: What are we doing with Thursday Night Football with the uh, Giants, who will clearly now storm back to pass the Cowboys in the standings and potentially win the division? I mean, what are we doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing nothing.
3: It's right in line
1: with what I thought it was going to be.
3: Yeah, you know, shockingly enough, you don't have to bet everything. Um, I'll be watching, and I'll I'll look for maybe an in-game opportunity, especially like an early drive. What I like to do, too, in a lot of these football games is, especially if an underdog comes out, Steve, first opening drive where plays are scripted, generally very, very prepared for what your opponent's going to do, early success, and then come in and bet on the favorite, so – would hope for an opening New York Giants touchdown drives so you can come in and get a cheaper number on the San Francisco Giants. But outside of that, I didn't really have anything. It was right in line with where the market made it, or excuse me, I was right in line with where the market made it. It's what 9.5? Mm, yeah, ten and a half, nine and a half. The uh, the John Vaughn model projections at uh, at ten point eight points. So you're right there. Yeah, right
1: there. Does Von Model do, I guess I should call it correctly, uh, John Von Model, does it do totals as well, or that's not up to speed yet? No,
3: no, it's not up to speed. Just sides. Just sides. DeVon, you laughed. You put one together, huh? Put one together. Let's see it. There we go. I saw a tweet from someone that I followed today, Raheem Palmer, and he also said, my model, and I just thought, does everyone have a model? Uh, That's part of the reason why I made it. I know Raheem. How about that? I know everybody. Um, and, And he does have one, and it's like a sports betting thing. It's part of the reason why I kind of wanted to do it, so I can. As I did, actually, the first day where it was, uh, you know, alive, where I told you guys this is my identity now, and now everything is about the model. There's a lot of people like to throw out there, like, according to my numbers. So it's part of the experiment. But, yes, a lot of people do have a model. Okay. It is your identity. It's 100%. It's all, I, it's all I'm known for now. now okay. I'm, I'm actually I'm uh, surprised you- Felder didn't mention the model. I'm, I'm actually
2: disappointed. You... <laughs>
1: You sent over the question earlier, do we have any advice for something in Vegas to do for you? Because you have a fun pass. Uh, how, how often does this happen where your wife goes out of town with the kids?
3: Uh, I'd say it's probably biannual. Now, generally, I'll go on the first one. If I have to do something for work, I'll be there, or, or I won't be there. Uh, but usually around this time, around October... Uh, it was actually a yearly tradition that she would leave and not be here for my birthday. It was kind of like this odd thing where the, uh, the trip would land right around the birthday. But, yeah, so once a year around October, she takes the boys out there and, and spends time with the family. You know, her mom lives out there, so she can to see the boys as often. And I stay home because I'm working. And, uh, yeah, I just get two weeks of just me. I mean,
1: we know what you're going to do for the next two weeks, and that is work on the model.
3: That's pretty much all I'm going to do. I'm kind of annoyed. You're just going to sit at home. <laughs> yep.
1: All in, you live in Sin City full time. You grew up here, and you're going to work on your model. Can we bring in a real party animal? This went viral today with the Mad Dog. He's a longtime radio guy out of New York. He was on WFAN with uh for a long time, and he's been doing satellite radio for, I don't know what it is now, 15-plus years And he's supposed to be the wacky guy. And he's a a wacky personality. I don't know that you like him a whole lot. I like him. Um, But I found this to be, I guess, this. I think this grinded my gears because I didn't see what he was saying as a big deal. But there are so many nerds out there who think of sports talk hosts and especially these buttoned up ones from New York a certain way that a lot of people were blown away by the Mad Dogs plans this weekend. He was going to be in Arizona and he wanted to watch college football. At about twelve o'clock, I uh, sit down. I uh, make an early cocktail. Cut, you, a half, uh, cut a gummy in half. What? cut a gummy in half. Keep will uh, uh, cut a gummy in half. We got Florida State Clemson. I like the Florida what? State quarterback. I will uh, do something there. At about three twenty-five, when I'm sauced, at about, I'm not driving in the house, three twenty-five, I'll put the call in to Fat Rob, 718-504. eight five zero four. I'll put the call in to Fat Rob. Rob, you know what? What the hell? I I can't root for Oregon. All right, you know I'll pretend on TV. Ten dimes on Colorado. It's by Colorado and Dion. Let's win the game. So by three twenty-five, I'll be sitting down with my shorts, little t-shirt, cocktail. I'll have the other half of gummy. Oh, you save it for later. All right. What um, do you do
3: with the other half? Did you think he was going to throw it, it away?
1: Yeah, it was. It was fun. Um, is there anyone on that set who doesn't? smoke or take weed from time to time take it was it was steven <laughs> a it was molly it was it was mad dog and then who who's the other who's the other big fellow football player who used to play for the cowboys in lsu marcus spears yeah marcus spears yeah i mean I'm, by the way am i insulting anyone by by assuming that they throw down a gummy or smoke a little bit i don't think you're insulting anybody when you say that they do weed I don't okay. know, maybe Stephen
0: A. would get offended, you know, his you know, famous catchphrase.
1: Yeah, that's true. What, always, always ask? Yeah. No, stay
0: off the weed! Ah, so okay. if he's telling everybody to stay off the weed, maybe he's not partaking mm-hmm. in it either.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. John, did you like that, or were you annoyed by that? Like yeah. how everyone else in the set was like... Oh, my God. I can't believe he's talking about stuff like this on ESPN on live TV. Uh, I
3: mean, I think it was more like, no, I wasn't I wasn't like taken aback or I did not feel anything negative about Mad Dog. I thought it was a good bit. Uh, he was surprisingly funny. Um, he also threw in a qualifier about the shirt, about he was going to throw on a little shirt. So I don't know if he's like rocking yeah. a crop top while he's sitting at home with the gummy uh, in the he system. He might be. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I think it has more. I think the shock has more to do with one of two things. Um, one, you know, it's Mad Dog, an older white dude, so I don't think a lot of people are, you know, would be surprised that he partakes. Um, the other is the platform, right? Like, generally, ESPN tries to, like, present itself as something very buttoned up, and I don't think that there's many times on that network where somebody comes on and talks about how they're going to get stoned and drink and throw $10,000 down on Colorado. Say it correctly. Sauced oh, yeah. and shorts. Yeah, sauced and short in the little in the little shirt. Shorts. Cut the. I just I will say this is a rate this audio medium, but the way he goes like I'm going to cut the gummy in half, like he does like the weird hand motion. Oh yeah, yeah. And Molly surprised that you know like you're going to save the half for later. By the way, lightweight too. Take the whole thing. Let's go. Well, well, how big is it? I would assume. I mean, general is not that I would know. Uh, general measurement is 10 milligrams, <laughs> so not going to okay. be that much. I don't know, man.
1: I know some people. Are, are
0: you, not speaking. Are you fine
1: taking? Are you fine taking a ten milligram? Or by the way, I'm sorry we're going to talk about this, but uh, it is it is legal and people do use many times for therapeutic reasons, of course. Um, yeah, I'm a lightweight when it comes to that stuff, uh, but I do know people, uh, several who are like cut a 10 and a half. Like, give me six.
3: I mean, I don't know about give me
1: six, but I, you, I know someone who that, that they that's what they have to do. you okay. Otherwise, they get nothing.
3: I'll put it this way: you, you, cut, you cut a ten a half, and I'm just like, we're just eating candy at that point. Like, let's go, come on. <laughs>
0: Man,
1: <laughs> this guy over here. Now you got ch- now you got challenge. Now you're challenging you're challenging the Mad Dog, who's 64 year old oh. Mad Dog. I'll, Nut up, take I'll, some more.
3: I'll get into a crossfaded gummy showdown <laughs> with Mad Dog any day of the week. He's that also is- he's also old though, so they probably you uh. know what I mean. Like he prob- like as I've gotten older. You know, like a little shot of whiskey, like I'll feel that within 15 minutes. That not, okay. that used to not be the case. So I would assume as you get older, it gets a little bit more potent.
1: Damon, you're you're the young guy. Were you were you flabbergasted by a 60 something year old mad dog? As as John said, talking about being crossfaded, uh, and also betting illegally, which I thought was interesting.
0: Yeah, that was the that was the funniest part to me, that he's going to call up a number, gave the guy the plug. Fat Rob, Fat Rob. Yeah, 718, whatever the number is. That, Not to cut you bet.
3: off, but also, as he noted, because we didn't play in that clip, a former preacher, as he noted. So, like, the guy actually oh. used to be a priest or something like that, but now he's an illegal bookie. <laughs> okay,
1: that's that, the most Fat Rob, effective. I missed that part. Yeah. Is that's that right?
3: It. In the extended <laughs> clip, he, like, yeah, he talks about how he's, like, a former priest or something <laughs> like that.
0: That's New York, I guess.
3: Yeah, Yeah, but I'm not surprised by it. Ten ten grand grand
0: on Colorado? I'm not saying that's shocking, but I didn't know Mad Dog. ESPN must be
3: paying good. Oh, come on. He's making, I think, like what? Oh, that's right. Mad Dog Radio. Yeah. Well, that, but he's also, I mean, he's making, what, $500,000 an episode for first take or something ridiculous like that? It's not
1: not that, but my guess is for the year, he's taking in over five mil a year. Yeah, ten grand's nothing. Okay. Ten dimes is nothing. Man. But I will say I did get annoyed by some of the nerds who uh, genuflect at his feet, who I think were really shocked by that. Like, this is what a what a what a great bet! I'm like, Shut up.
3: Yeah. By the way, yeah, you're right. I, that was a little bit of an exaggeration. Ten thousand dollars in appearance on first take. So already, it's just, already so it up? He, Yeah. So he earned it right there. So like that that bet on Colorado, he's earning it in that moment, talking about how he's going to get crossfaded because he's getting ten k. Are the we hit.
1: now? Are we now rooting? Are we now rooting? Well, Uncle Luke said automatically. I root against Colorado. So, are we rooting against Colorado? By the way, are you betting this game? I mean, I Oregon gonna, twenty-one against Colorado. I lay 20
3: and a half. So yes, I'm rooting against. <laughs> rooting against Colorado. Mm,
1: I did. DeMond, not. are you going to do the right? Uh, I'm sorry, Demon. Are you going to do the right thing and root for Dion? Of course,
3: I'm going to root for Dion. Twenty-one. Come oh, on. That's a good point. I
1: are fr- definitely going to cover over under seven wins. You have oh. to over under seven wins.
3: Definitely going to cover. All right, putting it on the bet sheet.
1: Put it on there. Did he say it? I, I just said it. You just said it. They are uh,
0: definitely going to cover. Okay? Oh you guys man. don't believe. Do you believe? I'll start the show
3: and next Monday morning with just do you believe. And then
1: every Oregon touchdown in between. <laughs> can you go back and, and can you cut uh, Mark Jones saying do you believe now after they after they barely got by a 24-point so, so dog? So
3: ridiculous. <laughs> Did you see the tweet today? Don't, Coach Sam, sorry, Coach Prime. Yep. Did you, well, did you see today? Like this is, look, this stuff does not bug me. I promise it doesn't. But this is why people get annoyed. There's a tweet that's out there today from the Folsom Frenzy podcast. It's like the student section or something. I don't know. But it's a tweet of of Colorado practice and it slugged coaches slash equipment staff blasting stadium music in the Oregon fight song during practice. It's that level of detail that makes Coach Prime great. Oh my God. What is he going to think of next, Steve? He's changing the game. I'll bet you. You know what? I don't think this has ever been done. Do you think to get ready I, – do I, do I ruin this? Mm. Go for it. You think Coach Prime might spray the bo- like the balls with water to get ready for a wet environment? That might, that might do it. Makes the preparation great.
1: Yeah, I think you fly home, and there are people having discussions in that team upstairs on that staff. Don't believe in him. He's a low-level NFL quarterback. Yep. Of all the 32 starters – He's much closer to 32 right now than he is 20. He
0: is throwing 99-mile-an-hour fastballs at guys' feet. We, we, you don't need to throw, throw a change-up, but he can't really.
1: I always kind of roll my eyes at the uh, quarterback. It's, uh, winning is not a quarterback stat. 27 starts 5-22. and 22. Come on. But if you're the GM and you're the owner and you have a draft coming up with six to seven first-round quarterbacks, it's easier to move off Justin Fields than maybe any other year. Now,
0: back to Coalfield and Company in the Findlay
1: Toyota studio. I like those instant reaction video posts, blogs that Heard does. Of course, Colin Cowherd on her sister station, Fox Sports Las Vegas. He does it with uh, John Middlecoff, and uh, Colin sounds like Mad Dog there little drinky, little half a gummy. Let's chill out, talk about the Bears, Justin Fields. No, I didn't say that. I'm not alleging anything. But it's a very relaxed atmosphere. Uh-huh. And uh, Colin can be better sometimes with a good sidekick like Middlecoff. So it was easy to jump on Justin Fields a couple of days ago, pound him, Poor him on, has Justin Fields in the Love Fields season-long bet, who's going to have a better season, But, John, you think maybe we in the media, some of us, went a little overboard with what Fields said this week and kind of taken something out of context about, well, it looked like he just planted the blame on the coaches as to why he's not playing that well. Maybe it's the coaches.
3: Uh, Yeah, that's not what he did at all. Um, So... (laughs) <laughs> when you when you when you actually watch the press conference, because this is the thing, this is what irritates me, and this is why too. By the way, because we've talked about this conversation a lot, right? Why Draymond Green, and it all ties together about this whole hashtag new media stuff, and why players feel the certain way that they do. Because when you get the actual quote, because this is what happened yesterday, you just get in the big block letters on the image of Justin Fields, probably the coaching, and then underneath on why he's struggling. That's not what happened. In any way, shape, or form, in that press conference yesterday. For those who didn't watch it, I'm sure a vast majority of people didn't. They probably just watched the clip where he said coaching. He's asked about the struggles. He has a very long and eloquent answer. And in that answer, he says something along the lines of, and I am paraphrasing here, I am acting a little bit robotic and I am not playing freely in these plays. It is followed up then by a reporter there in the scrum. Why do you feel robotic? He then responds with, "Well, probably coaching because I'm getting too much before the play, and sometimes I just need to be able to think and go play free." Yeah. That's not. I and
1: mean, that's kind of an important. That's kind of an important part, uh, part of the analysis and the comment uh, to find out that they're flooding him in the helmet with a bunch of information. I mean, that's a good explanation. Not, it's probably the coaches.
3: Correct, and, and so. You can if people what people are doing is they're presenting it as Justin Fields is blaming the coaches for his struggles. And that's not what's happening. Justin Fields was asked, Why do you feel robotic? And he said, I'm beginning too much information prior to the play. That those are two way different things. But that's exactly what we do. And so then everybody latches onto it and it's oh look, Justin, he's blaming the coaches. He's not taking responsibility, blah, blah, blah. blah. That's not what happened at all. And that's why, like, I do I think sometimes when Draymond goes off on the new media stuff, do I think it's a little ridiculous? Yes. But I also can't blame guys like him for feeling the way that they do because stuff like this happens, just like yesterday, to so the point where Justin Fields then has to follow up, call the media back into the locker room to then not only – because people kept saying, oh, he's walking it back. No, he wasn't. If you listen to what he was saying, he actually told them, I'm being nice to you guys. I am open to you, and I tell you everything. I tell you what you want because I respect what you do. But then some of you come and take the comment, and you blow it out of proportion, and now I have to answer for it. So he didn't walk you back yesterday, and if you actually listened with half a brain, you understood that's not what he was doing. I was actually, I've got way more, and it's not like I didn't have any, but I got way more respect for Justin Fields now after the media conference in the locker room because he essentially called him out, and he told him, don't do that. I am one of the few athletes that will give you true answers to what you're asking, and all I ask in return is that you present those comments in the true lights that I have said them in.
0: Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio.
1: Studio. They're no giving away right now one 364 1100 364-1100. caller number seven. Uh, let's get you in for little Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler is coming to town as uh, he is going to be here in early December. Actually, you know what? Check that. I'm going to change it. I'm going to change it. I'm going to change it. Uh, Power Trip Live. Power uh, Powertrip.live. Tickets for PowerTrip.Live. It's a big show. Indio, California, home of Coachella. Three days of tickets, October 6th to the 8th. You can get your tickets at PowerTrip.Live. Guns N' Roses, ACDC, Tool, Metallica, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden. Call our 7 right now. Damon's going to hook you up. 364-1100, 364-1100. John, let's continue for a second on Justin Fields. hmm and I don't want to go where I'm going to go. And I think you know where I'm going to go. <laughs> okay. do, you, do, do you already know where I'm going with this on the, crit- the criticism of Justin Fields?
3: Uh, I might have an idea, but I'm not entirely sure.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I do think there's a certain group of people out there who do like to root against guys like Justin Fields. Ah, oh, okay. And I think the, that number is diminishing, but I still think it's out there. And when we, unfortunately, what w- what happens here is we brand a lot of African-American quarterbacks as just athletes mm-hmm. who can run but can't throw. And it gets ridiculous when we, we talk about guys who actually are not runners and are more, you know, more pocket quarterbacks and still people will still apply those standards to those guys.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'll bring up a small example of. Uh, You know, right now, UNLV's got a quarterback situation. They're trying to get Doug Brumfield healthy. Um, He hadn't played that well in the first three games. I mean, one of the games was Michigan. He didn't get very good protection. Now he's injured. He's trying to mend up here. Myava comes in, looks like a hero. So, you know, as I said, this is a tale as old as time around football. Uh, Lots of fans love the backup, especially if the starter's not uh, excelling, hey, uh, the backup, right? And I got at the end the other day, And basically, it said, hey, it's time for Mayava. I haven't seen anything out of Brumfield since he's been here. And I was like, well – and actually, no. It suggested that he switches to wide receiver or tight end. Of course. I'm like, that's not going to happen. He's got good quarterback skills. He's earned the job. He's earned the trust of the coaches. Now, that can change here if he can't come back soon and Mayava plays off the charts. But – it's one thing. I don't know. You tell me. Are Armani Rogers and Doug Brumfield the same in terms of their quarterbacking skills?
3: No, I, I don't think so. No, I, I think Doug not. Brumfield is better, is a much better p-
1: passer. Ar- Armani, Armani really wasn't. He really was not an efficient thrower of the ball.
3: No, I mean he had it like a, a rocket. Like he could probably throw it through a wall, but like there was well, no touch or nothing to it.
1: Short passes were bad. He, yep. he wasn't. I think the team was uh, – the coaches were afraid to throw over the middle beyond, like, six yards because of inaccuracy. Deep passes were all over the place. Um, so, I, I answered back. I'm like, well, I don't think he's going to switch to wide receiver or tight end. And I was going to answer – I mean, frankly, if he loses the job and then has no chance of getting it back, then I think he's going to leave before he is playing wide receiver or tight end. Right. Okay, that's not going to happen. But then the one that got me was, well, I really haven't seen anything from him in terms of throwing the ball. And I'm like, well, last year he had some good moments, including logging the most efficient game as a quarterback in the history of UNLV. Uh, Why do I remember that? Well, I was at the game watching, and he was amazing. Who did he pass to become the the one game most efficient passer in the history of UNLV? It
3: was Caleb, right?
1: It was Caleb Herring. So you did see it. If you choose not to remember him with a really good game passing, then that's on you. Mm Mm-hmm. If you choose to judge him through a certain lens, that's on you. And I think we should all stop doing that. And I'm not saying we all do that, but a lot of people need to stop doing that. No, of course. And with Justin Justin Fields, I actually do think they knew what they were drafting. They know what they have. They're trying to fit the square peg into the round hole. And we've seen a lot of people talk about the straight dropbacks of Justin Fields. I don't know what they're trying to do. And the other big flaw, again, is you've got a Bears organization – that had Justin Fields, the quarterback, a lot of the quarterbacks who excel in this league who are young quarterbacks, who is their head coach in general?
3: It's an offensive guy.
1: Yep. And these teams continue to try a defensive head coach with a young quarterback. Mm-hmm. And it's not the right formula.
3: I would agree with everything that you're talking about. Uh, and, and also, when it comes to right the dynamic, I think it also spins into what we talked about with the willful misconstruing of what he had to say, right? Because now it's like it's easy to go, oh, look, malcontent. See, he he's blaming the coaches. It's not his fault. Like, and immediately people want to go to that, uh, and it goes along the same path that you're talking about, which is, I ah, just switch positions. He's not really a good passer. I would agree with everything you're talking about. And when it comes to the most important factor in all this, do I think Justin Fields has been very good as a passer in his time as an NFL player? No, I don't. I I think all of the metrics would back that up. However, do I also feel that he hasn't been put in the best position possible? No, I don't. And let's go to the end really quickly. Go to the end of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. You want to know why the the Bears were being mocked after that game? Because their offensive coordinator called the same play three consecutive times. An opposing player – was trying not to laugh as he described it to the media in front of his locker about why they knew that screen was coming. So I don't trust the staff that is out there to put Fields in the best position possible to succeed. And that's why like I talked about this last year, Steve, when I when I when I we were previewing the Bears going into the 2022 season. I had a lot of Bears under stuff because They set Fields up for failure. He has a defensive-minded head coach. They stripped the roster down to the studs. They did absolutely nothing in terms of getting this team ready to succeed around Fields. Halfway through, they add Claypool. Yeah, they go get D.J. Moore, but sometimes the damage has been done. And now he's regressed as a passer. He's not comfortable back there at all. The offensive line stinks. And now all of a sudden people are going to go look around and go, ha it's him. No, it's Chicago. It's the Bears. That organization has failed Justin Fields. And you saw it coming from a mile away, and now he's in the position that he's in.
1: And I'll add on top of, because we went to break a little early. I'm not going to say prematurely. Um, when you were talking about Justin Fields being misrepresented, when folks started going down the path of, hey, why are you having difficulty? And he said – what exactly did he say in terms of the coaches? I don't want to say maybe the coaches. What was it?
3: It was It was probably it the, the coaches.
1: No, it was Probably a, the coaches. Probably the coaching. Probably, okay, probably the coaching. And then he mentioned he's getting a lot of stuff. Because he mentioned feeling like a robot out there, that he's getting a lot of stuff in his helmet, uh, in his headset, down the line that may be confusing him. And you went on a little bit of a, a media rant there saying, hey – You're misrepresenting what he said. Mm -hmm. Here's the other thing that needs to happen. Most of these, well, I guess I'd have to find out. I saw Bleacher Report used it that way. Um, And I would love to know if the folks on the ground at the Bears press conference who chose to cut out the part about the coaching and what's being fed to his, his headset and his helmet, I'd love to know if some of those people are regulars. Because those of us in the media actually can police other people in the media. Now, mm-hmm. they might not listen, but i got to tell you, I would have no problem going into a media room uh, if I'm in there on a regular basis and going, what was that? Weak sauce, dude. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Because here's what and, – and, and, if, and if anyone listening right now is like, well, it's none of your business. No, it is my business. No, it is. If I'm a regular on the beat, because guess what happens? Guess what happens in turn? You suffer. When someone is taken out of context, then I get lumped in. Because all the time you hear it, I'm I'm, I'm trying to remember last week – who went on a rant and they were like, uh, you know, this is why I don't trust the media. I, I forget who it was, but it's like, no, 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 no. I, I didn't do that. So don't lump me in. But here's the first step is media people have to police other media people. And, and if folks think that's not their business, I, I think it is for sure. I think it is because, because when you're all described in one group, uh, you need to stand out and go, I, I didn't, that's not what I said. And I don't mean that, you know, I don't want to turn on people because there's a lot of distrust of the media. And I think there's a lot of misinformation that you know, there's a. Everyone has an agenda. Everyone does not have an agenda. But an ass who puts out a, a third of the quote and tries to portray some story that is not real—that's bull crap. Yep. And that's bull crap for Justin Fields, because as, as you said, then you've also got a guy who has been kind of prone to being called immature. So that only adds fuel to that fire, which is not fair.
3: It's not fair, and and that's why I liked Fields' answer. And, and, you know, it's we got to – yesterday when I was filling in on, on one of our v shows, we got to talk to a Bears beat writer, and one of the things he said initially was, Fields is actually one of the best guys to talk to because he gives you stuff. like, And not just, like, headlines, clickbait stuff. He'll give you eloquent answers about what you're asking him about, right, the topics. And so when you get somebody – you know, we, we had this conversation way back when about Marshawn Lynch, right, when there was that whole pushback of like, he should be talking to – like, no, you're getting this character, right? You're, this is what you wanted. Like, you're getting actually some personality here, but he owes us something. This is something where a, a a athlete is giving you eloquent answers, thoughtful answers on some of the questions that you're asking, and he gives you another one here, and you take that and misrepresent it. And now all of a sudden he's going to get burned. I wouldn't blame Justin Fields for the rest of the season. It's just, yeah, uh, yeah, we did a good job today. Right? Because why why would you? Why would you want to put anything out there at all in terms of a real and eloquent answer to any of these people? Because and here's the tough part about what you're talking about about policing other media is a lot of what I saw was the social media sites like SportsCenter on Instagram or Bleacher Report, like you said, or anything, where some of these social media folks are just looking for the clip and they want to put it up or put it on a graphic so they can get engagement. Like that's all it is. So how do you police? You know, I know this is a cliche. How do you police the 24-year-old intern who's working for the Bleacher Report social media that just needs engagement to show that they're doing a good job by, cutting, by taking that quote, putting it in bold, putting on a picture of Justin Fields, and putting it out there for the masses?
1: Yep. And most of the masses now, you know, that includes us. We're in a hurry. We don't dig deeper. Uh, we get an impression off of a quick hit, and we run with it. And, again, that's, that's not fair. Now, there could be people listening right now, John, We're like, well, you know, you guys were pretty hard on Derek Carr last year. We were. Yeah. We were. And we've been hard on him, uh, kind of joking about the beginning of the season with the Saints. Congrats to Derek Carr. He's made some big plays down the stretch to close out games. His play has not been scintillating, though, and he is backed up by a defense. And that is one of the differences, and people have pointed it out. Um, was he something like one in six? It couldn't have been that bad, right? I, th- I thought Dubal put out a stat that he was like one in sixty-two or something when when failing to score twenty points. So The point is the Raiders' defense didn't you know nut up for him a lot uh, to allow him to win games where you know it was whatever it was. What was game one? Was a sixteen-fifteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were a lot of games where uh, you know he could have used the backing of the defense when the offense wasn't so great. But the other thing we've we've kind of busted Derek's Shops on is. What he's been saying and the image he's putting forth now in New Orleans, it is very interesting. Have you seen some of his postgame quotes? Because he's been pretty consistent with his approach.
3: No, I haven't seen anything that's at least stuck out to me.
1: It, it's basically, this isn't about me. I'm doing it for my teammates, and I'm doing it for the city of New Orleans. Oh, my God. And he's got, he's got fresh ears. He's got a whole new crew, a whole new crowd to lean into. So I guess this is this is a good way to go about it for now. The
3: the, the same teammates that he said in a quote last year, uh, some guys are not being you know willing to put stuff in their bodies so they can sleep at night, huh? Like calling those teammates out, right? Well, the, the comments well, that he immediately walked They're back, different right? teammates. Oh, okay, okay. He's such a good team player. Yeah. Such a good team player.
1: Can I read something to you from uh, – we have two, like, very major aggregators, and if folks don't know what that is, it's basically folks who are on the internet all the time, are on social media all the time, and – I think every five minutes, like 20 hours a day, uh, they've got some kind of formula that where they're retweeting other news from other people. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is a guest that uh, Damon is dying to have on Cofield and Company. Right, Damon? Well, you, we have can't you, get him anymore. Re- uh, why?
0: I mean, I think he's a, I think he's a Raider Nation Radio exclusive now.
1: He, he is a Raider Nation Radio exclusive. Ari Mirov, who's under, like, NFL rums or something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he. The, the Twitter feed is good for finding out everything that is going on, but there are a lot of times that stuff is reported as if he's the originator. Oh, yeah. And I just saw a tweet from uh, Ari. Um,
0: and my sports update.
1: He had, <laughs> don't give him a pop. Uh, he, he has a video of Derek Carr, and he, he writes despite the sour ending. Saints quarterback Derek Carr says he still texted Josh McDaniels to congratulate him on the season opening win. (laughs) I just – I read that and I just chuckle. All right, 4 o'clock hours on the way.